Welcome to Adversarial Learning. Welcome to another episode. Our guest today is Vicki Boykus, and we're going to be talking about data science myths, which are true and which are just myths. Just your usual reminders, if you'd like to find us online, our website is adversariallearning.com. The Twitter account for the podcast is adversarial underscore L. And if you'd like to send us an email, that address is adversarial.learning.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes or Stitcher, write us a review, tell your friends about us. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, this is Andrew and Joel. Hello. Uh, with Adversarial Learning again. Uh, our guest today is Vicki Boykus. She's a data scientist at a consulting firm. Vicki, you want to tell our listeners about yourself? Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I do data science consulting. I've worked in a number of different industries across a number of different years uh, financial services, telecoms, education, healthcare. So basically, I've dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, right now, I mostly work with, I guess, Spark and Python, just like everybody else in data science. <laughs> but I, I heard you're not supposed to. Are you using the, the Python API for Spark? I am not. The last time I used uh, Spark R, which is probably a story I don't want to get into. I heard you're not supposed to do that either. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I heard you're supposed to use the Scala API. Scala API. And even the SQL API is kind of a pain. I've probably spent, uh, I'd say, less than a month of my life using Spark. Yeah, I've used it for about a week and a half. And that was enough for me. <laughs> I think was... you, that's something you guys should definitely put on your resumes. <laughs> I'm not like those mainstream data scientists. I only do hipster data science in the command line. Yeah, I from scratch is, is my strategy. Right. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, my problem was that uh, flashbacks from a few years when I spent wrestling with Hadoop, and it was just so many things came back that were, you know, just exactly the same problem. And, you know, error logs, you know, sort of swallowing each other and not being able to figure out what was going wrong. And But thankfully, I had a lot of, a lot of help this time. So. All right. Well, well, when we do our episode on Spark, uh, you can tell us all about it. Oh, I thought that, that's what this one was about. No, no. Sorry. Today's episode is data science myths and misunderstandings. Oh, uh, good. At least that's what I was told it would be. Um, so I, I've been reading my Joseph Campbell uh, in preparation. <laughs> <laughs> Use the force, man. And uh, now, now I'm all ready to talk about data science myths and misunderstandings. I've heard um, there are some. Myth or not myth. Uh, data science is the sexiest job the 21st century <laughs> so far myth. myth what is it what is the sexiest job um probably anything where you don't have to spend 60 to 80 percent of your day cleaning data I yeah I, I actually address this in my book uh, i said fireman but yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> is, is that because of the calendars or just in general um i think you've got causality backwards the calendars are because of the sexiness like if, if they if they weren't sexy, then no one would buy the calendars. Is that because of this the, the rescuing kittens thing? No, I think it's because they're carrying uh, like hoses and right. uh, fire extinguishers up and down stairs all day, um, and so they get pretty buff. Yeah. And they're they're actually doing a real job with physical impact. I know that's that's really big right now for people to switch off of data science or yeah, science I, or I have mixed feelings because. Um, <clears throat> To go off on a tangent, there's way too many firefighters. And that's because in a lot of cities, uh, my understanding is that the law is written so that if you call 911, the fire department has to respond, even if it's not a fire. So, like, mm. some some vagrant is passed out on the street, the fire department comes because it's written in their union contract that they get to go on those calls. And it's a little bit of make work, I think. Uh, mm. don't, don't at me, any uh, firefighters who are listening to this. Uh, <laughs> or city, just, council, uh, city council members. I just I, I read that on some like libertarian anarchist site many years ago, and it always stuck oh. with me. So to loop, to loop back to the original question of whether it's sexy or not, I think, um, yeah, so there's a huge hype cycle around it. And there have always been data scientists in a way. So like a couple of days ago, I was just looking on Twitter, and there's that book, How to Lie with Statistics, right? That's from 1954. Um, 
Yeah, and I was looking back through MapReduce code. MapReduce code has been written in pretty much every language since the 60s. Mm. So you've always had data scientists or data analysts or statisticians or whatever throughout every iteration of the company. But for some reason, they've just recently become really like, the, I guess, the heroes of computer science. Well, who said it? Was that DJ Patil? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think... Was it Harvard Business Review or something? I think, I think he wrote an article that got published in Harvard Business Review, and Harvard Business Review put that as the headline, but I don't yeah. think he said it. Okay, so it's not a self-serving thing that he said about himself. As far as I know, no. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's 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 better than I thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it's well known that I don't like that phrase, and I don't, I don't like the word. I don't like the use of the word "sexy" at work. So that's I, every time I see it, I just cringe. Okay. Well, that actually uh, brings me to my the second myth on my list, uh, <laughs> which is myth. DJ Patil is the world's only data scientist. Mm. What do you guys think? True? Not true? So I'm actually I was I was reading about him, and I know that he um, he obviously did a bunch of work in the White House, but it seems like his role there was mostly to um, to like put data science forward in the public sphere. Was he actually doing data science work when he was there? Or was well, he basically well, leading the, a team? Well, here's the question. I mean, does, I, you know, do you have to actually do data scientist science to be a data scientist? Or could you be a figurehead? I'm a, I'm a figurehead. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, I don't do data science. I'm a, I wrote a book about data science. Uh, right. So I'm a data scientist. But day to day, I do software engineering. I think by definition, though, he's not the only one. I know. So I, I would say I'd say this myth is busted. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. What is this? Two for two? Yeah. Zero for two. Zero for two. Oof. Who's counting? All right. Myth. The primary skill for a data scientist is empathy. <laughs> oh, where's this one from? That's an old one. That's, That's from last year. I saw it on Twitter, I think. Someone was saying it. Mm, okay. People were saying it. The mo- I thought it was the most important skill, right? Is yeah, empathy. Well, most important, it's a skill. Right? It's a skill, not a not a behavioral reaction, emotional reaction. It's a skill. I don't um, know. I'm I'm mixed on this. I think I think you need maybe not empathy, but you definitely need people's skills to understand the business problems. But if you if you just come in with empathy and Somebody comes to you in an interview and says, hey, can you solve this problem for us? And you say, no, but I, I really empathize with this problem that you have. <laughs> you are probably not going to get the job. But I mean, in a practical sense, when, when you say that, if you said that, uh, first of all, I, I consider this, this a questionable myth because um, I don't think empathy is a skill. Maybe you can develop. Of course your... you can develop empathy. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. It's a skill. Fine. I'll accept that. But what does that mean? That means that you're in a room and you're just you're under you're really understanding how everybody feels. I mean, I, I think I think yeah. you could you could be well. I think you could be a, a very solid data scientist even if you're not reading the room well. And the, think, the ability to view people is more than just collections of zeros and ones. <laughs> well, I think what? empathy here in this case is like basically understanding what the question is you're trying to solve. That's not empathy to me, though. No, you don't I, think so? I feel like that's just business sense and being able to break a problem down into parts. Is this just a way to exclude the neurodiverse? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, uh, what was this, last year this this became a sort of a rising tide? I, I, see, I feel like um, I feel like it was sort of a, it was a foray into the concept that People are just yeah, just going about their jobs and and writing biased algorithms and and not not being based and woke enough. So I I, I just don't I don't buy it. I think don't don't get me wrong. I'm never going to go on record saying that empathy is not a, a really good thing for somebody to have and it's valuable and helps them do their job no matter what it is. So does this push tie into our sort of society wide growing disdain for math and and quantitative things? Yeah, I think so. And also, I think there's another tangent on it that is the, um, you know, the ethics and data. And so I think that, you know, it's I think that empathy being an important skill is sort of shorthand for you need to you need to have the right social viewpoints in mind when you're doing your work. What's your favorite uh, whiteboard question for uh, for gauging empathy? (laughs) (laughs) 
Find me the find me the <laughs> write a method that counts the prime numbers uh, less than n if I give you n as a parameter. <laughs> Invert a binary tree of people who have feelings. Invert a binary tree of the pain scale. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me. Did you guys see that there was um, a video going around about the um, the leader of Studio Ghibli, that Japanese studio? I forget his name, Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. Um, where somebody showed him basically this animation that they made. It was very realistic. And it was of, I guess, just like a thing, a monster kind of crawling. It's like grotesque, right? Yeah, it was very grotesque. and the But the way they did it was very skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but Miyazaki basically tore them down. He said, yeah, you that have was... too much imagination. You shouldn't do this. This is making fun of people. It was, that, I, uh, yeah, when that came out, I think, I think uh, my reaction was, I mean, this, I'm happy that somebody can be that blunt in a meeting and good for him. But I, I thought it was, uh, it was a really weird setup. I thought, geez, man, these kids are, it looked, it was like grad students or something or some, okay. some senior project. And I felt like, uh, you know, it, it might've been more tactful to say, well, I can see your, I can see you spend a lot of time on this and, and you, I can see your skill, not my style. And then maybe later, if you felt like it, send him a note or get, get him find him in the hallway and say, listen, you know, I, here's my viewpoint. But yeah, I mean, I felt like it was sort of like a rock star coming in and trashing a hotel room. When I, when I watched that video, my biggest takeaway was, wow, that guy seems like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Are you and saying like, that he didn't have empathy? Uh, no, maybe, maybe he did. I just thought he seemed like a dick. Like maybe he had too much empathy. Maybe he what empathized. You, what are you trying to accomplish by being that much of an asshole in the meeting? Like, yeah, I felt like it was. I mean, maybe it's. I mean, maybe it's a. Maybe it's a. You know, different. Maybe it's okay in Japan to to talk like that in meetings. I don't know. But I think some people were sharing that video, like with the subtext. Look, you know, here's why it's important to not create yeah. animated monsters, but to take something human into account. But for me, yeah. it had kind of the opposite effect. Yeah, it was funny. It was like it was sort of like I, I I felt like it was being shared as a way of like rubbing people's faces in it, you know. And talking about, you know, how they're much better because they would never have built a grotesque animation. They would have made Pokemons or whatever. Okay, next myth. Um, a, a data scientist is a statistician with a MacBook. Uh, the Venn diagrams. Well, okay. <laughs> or is that a separate, whole separate that's, world? That's whole different. separate one. That's different. That's, that's just one of the canonical, like, what is data science in a tweet? I think this one is isomorphic to um, to a statistician who lives in San Francisco. That's also on my list. Yeah, okay. I think, you know, I happen to be on one of those machines right now. Um, Me too, actually. I, I, you know, I have to have to admit it. I, I used, uh, I prefer to do work on Linux if I can, and, but, you know, the, the options at work are often Macintosh. I think it's a funny one. I like that myth. I think I'll let it stand. Except for the fact that I'm not a statistician by any stretch. Except for that. Except for the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the MacBook part is right. Sure. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a 55% correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence about this one. I think uh, I'm thinking back to all the work that I've done. Um, I would say maybe 30 to 40% of it has been around actual statistics um, with, with the quantifying percentage, of course. But a lot of it has really been around structuring data and, and cleaning up data. And I don't, I don't know that I've ever had to actually go into a stats book for, for something that I needed if you're implying that a stats book means that you're working on like super complicated stuff. I think this one comes back to the, there's sort of two, okay, let's start uh, classifying things, but there are people with stats backgrounds and there are people without stats backgrounds. And it feels like there's a, that's a different, there are two separate swim lanes of of, um, people in data science. I think, I think the only time I ever opened a stats book as a data scientist was when I was writing my book and needed to make sure I got the stats sections in my book correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with Vicky. I've spent a lot more of my time just either <laughs> trying to figure out how to get something to work or getting data in the right shape. I I I would say the MacBook part seems to be pretty prevalent. Maybe I'm thirty percent. Next myth: If you look in the mirror and say "data science" five times, <laughs> Josh Wills will appear and kill you with a bloody hook. It's happened. 
Yeah, I don't know. I have I have to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> we should have Josh on next time. Get him to, to address this. Yeah, I mean, like, is people are saying that this is something that happens? I just said. It. All it takes is one more person to say it, and then people are saying, right? I thought it was three times. Could be. Wait, the hook's already bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's busy. <laughs> Yes, he is. Next Myth. to that. <laughs> Data is the new oil. Okay. Does that mean that there are going to be wars fought over it? It means many things. That's one of them, maybe. Does it mean that we need to refine it and then burn it? No blood for Data. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it mean that Houston's the next big data science hub? I, I know people who, did it, who do data science in Houston who uh, yep. would argue that. Yeah, I've done I've done data science in Houston myself. Um, I think that's an interesting one. Um, you know, it's a it's a cute little aphorism, um, and I think uh, there is a value that is untapped that is under the surface. So I, I don't know. I like that one. Uh, no, I actually like it too. I've seen some backlash against it because um, I've read but about I've, it now. I've lashed back myself, yeah. but I still like. I it doesn't bug me as much as it did when I first heard it. It doesn't because I like, I like, um, so I usually like analogies when I explain stuff to non-technical people or people who don't work in data science. Um, and it's, it's a nice analogy because it actually describes the process pretty well of you have to find the data, you have to refine it, um, and then it's refined state, it's super, super valuable. And what valuable means can be And volatile. And, volatile. and volatile. Yeah. Um, Does it mean that Dick Cheney's going to get all up in data science? Hope not. Okay. I don't know if it's a myth so much as whether we're bothered or not by it. Yeah. I mean, isn't part of it also the idea that at the end of the day, like algorithms are algorithms and whoever has, whoever's sitting on a big pile um, of millions of barrels of data is going yep. to be the victor. That's the idea, right? The stockpiling. So Facebook, Twitter, um, and Google and Amazon are the oil rich countries. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's an interesting one. I, I actually think that, um, I feel like, um, you know, it, this still does bug me to some degree the same way that when people use, people at work use war analogies to, to talk about stuff, like when they have a war room to, to fix a fire drill thing. Because I think that, you know, what they're saying is, it, you know, they're, they're trying to put, so I think they're putting more of an industrial and geopolitical face on data and making it sound more important and sort of macho, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's necessary, but I guess it, it makes sense to people. So it's not work kind of a human universal though. It's never going to stop. Yeah. Ne next myth, uh, 80% of a data scientist's time is spent munging and cleaning data. I would say that's, that's low. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I would say that's low. Really? Well, yeah. What number would you put? Uh, 85, 82. Really? 82, <laughs> 81 and a half. Float, I, 81 and a half point zero zero float. It depends. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. it's a lot. Um, I mean, it does feel like, you know, the, the methods that people call are just, you know, there's three lines of stuff. And before that it's been yeah. not, I mean, it's not just, it's not just running ETL crap. It's not, it's not like doing transforms. It's also like, haranguing the person who owns that silo to give you the keys and get you the JDBC connection string and stuff like that. You know, so there's, let's just say averaged out, it's probably 85%. I've seen production, production work where the recommender was built within a month and a half and waiting for actual data to put through it, to even test it was 10 months. What's that percentage? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's about 85%. Maybe this is why I was never a good data scientist. I never spent that much time munging and cleaning data. You just you just sprayed and prayed. <laughs> I spent like eighty percent of my time writing unit tests. Uh -huh. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. Well, that's so. You know what? I think um, maybe the next phase of this question would be that you know because I think that uh, the data scientist has morphed into data engineer in a lot of a lot of organizations. Yeah, and even when I was a data scientist, I was really more of a hybrid data scientist slash software engineer. So I was always writing a lot of production code, mm -hmm. um, more than I was cleaning and munging data. 
Yeah, maybe yeah. this goes back to the stats myth too, where you can basically come in and um, just do statistics and data science. And that's kind of a myth in and of itself, because I've seen that too in the projects that I've been on. I don't think I've been on a project where I've purely just had to do an analysis. Um, it's always mm -hmm. been some component of you have to move the data or you have to build this application to move the data. Or like for the past couple of days, I've just been parsing JSON, so I'm pretty salty about that. Yeah, that's um, fun. So, yeah. Yeah, the stats, the stats divide is an interesting one. And it's, you know, it's like... You know, when people get into different tribes, they sort of, they have preconceptions and they have stereotypes about the other side. And, and it's, I've seen that in action. I've seen, you know, the more like quick and dirty data scientists have, you know, a huge fight with the, the theoretical uh, stats people. And um, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a constructive fight either. And, and, you know, it's like, I think that the scrappy people feel really good about themselves because you can say, well, just aim me at the data source. I'll take care of the whole thing. And the stats people are like, well, no, I'd actually prefer if, I, if IT would do a proper poll, you know, make sure that there's it's clean and proper, and, and then I can actually just put it in SAS and go to town. And, you know, I think that those things are, I think it'd be, it'd be nice if, I, 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 I haven't seen much change in the past five years in that, in that regard. Do we have a myth where we talk about um, the data scientist as being able to do everything by him or herself? Because I think that would probably tie into that. Oh, yeah. I have one sort of like that. It says unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Unicorn. I, don't, I don't know if that's the same thing or not. Okay. Or if, they, if that's a myth that a data scientist has a horn in the middle of his or her forehead and it can do magic. <laughs> it has wings. It why, has do you, a... why do people say data scientist is a unicorn? It's it's a I think it's self branding to to pump up salaries. But, but uh, why did when did unicorn come to mean you know something singular? I thought I don't think I, it does. To me, to me, it doesn't. At least to me, it means someone who can do everything, like either full stack developer or full stack data scientist, quote unquote, whatever that means. I thought it meant just rare enough combination of skills that you're unlikely to ever find it. Because they don't exist, you know? Sure. But is that saying then that data scientists don't exist? Well, no, I'm saying that yeah, I thought I thought it was just a term to say, Myth. you know, Data watch. scientists exist. Right. Well, but why unicorn instead of some other, like, mythical creature, like dragons or centaurs or trolls? Yeah, I don't know. Bears, gelatinous cubes? I don't know. That's a good question. Data scientists are gelatinous cubes. Maybe it's because the unicorn has sort of like a idealistic sort of a aesthetic. I mean, I, I can I have a I have a six year old girl and she likes unicorns. I know a lot about unicorns, uh, but I struggle to tie it back to what it has to do with the data science. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you about unicorns. I can tell you about alicorns. I can tell you about porn magic. I can tell you about Equestria. I know all that shit. <laughs> yeah, there's I I, I kind of glaze over when when my five year old talks about that stuff. I I would I would suggest or recommend that um, just like read the Wikipedia page or something and get yourself up to speed on it because uh, <laughs> it's it's really fun to engage with them about all this stuff. Yeah, um, because my daughter will be like a real stickler for like the rules of ponies and stuff. And if I make an assertion that's sort of true and uses the right terminology, but is not like technically true. Mm -hmm. She'll call me on it. She's like, no daddy, that's not how horn magic works. That's, oh, not, awesome. how the, that's not how the magic of friendship works. I can't, cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. Mine is two and a half and she thinks she's a whale right now. So awesome. that's, that's the level that we're at. Yeah. Mine correct, corrected me one time. I, I thought I had the name correct on a, my little pony on Twitter and my daughter was in my office and she's like, no, it's such and such. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm colorblind. I can't, I can't tell. Yeah. All right. Next myth. Data science is more of an art than a science, <laughs> even though it has science right there in the name. I don't think that's a myth. I think that's true. I think a lot of um, what we do is, is based in science. So we, we run the models, right? But then the business comes in and says, well, you have to make it look a certain way or you have to present these results. Um, so that, you know, the stakeholders, quote unquote, very consulting you voice, stakeholders buy into that stuff. Ugh. So that's where God, the science This feels like work. So should we call it data art then? 
Well, I was just going to ask, does this, here's a, here's a, a follow-up question or a corollary is science art. Cause I think that when, when you say something is, 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 is an art, it means that there's creativity. Um, you're going to have to overcome problems by doing things that you haven't thought of before. And you know, you have to, you think about, you think about the whole picture, right? So is that valid? So I'm reading Coders at Work right now. Um, I don't know if you guys have read that. Or is it Coders at Work? Coders oh. at Work. No, but, I, but I, I've listened to Men at Work. I, I like them a lot. So this this is the one. Um, so originally, like back in the 50s and 60s, um, the New Yorker used to do these interviews with writers and just ask them how they write, when they write, where they write, basically like try to get inside their mind. So um, I guess Peter Siebel did that in 2009 for... Mm like the really big names in programming, like he interviewed Knuth, he interviewed Peter Norvig, um, Brendan Eich, all those people. Um, and so they're really long interviews. And then in each one of them, it's a really interesting book. Um, there's a lot of stuff about null pointers though. Um, mm -hmm. And in one, in all of the interviews, he asks, do you view yourselves as scientists, as computer scientists, as engineers, as artists? And a lot of them say they actually view themselves as writers mm -hmm. um, or artists more than computer scientists, which I found really interesting. I mean, I, I would say definitely that uh, when it comes to things like writing code, I have a very strong sense of aesthetics for what's good code and what's bad code that's independent of does this work and does this do the right thing, but also is this elegant, is it clear, is it understandable, is it well-written, things like that. That's definitely, and I don't know if that's because I'm also a writer or that's just the way I approach software, but I, I definitely have that sense myself. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and then as, as to when you're, even when you're doing model selection, you kind of have to use a little bit of art and imagination there too. Like, does this, does this data fit this type of model? Does this data fit this type of model? Um, how am I going to present my results? All that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's probably not like you're going to come in and do paint all day, right? Does paint even exist anymore? When your kid gets to be, you know, four or five, you'll, you'll that's, that's get reacquainted with it. Um, but, but yeah, there is some of that. And I think the best people that I've worked with um, have had a knack for, for that as well. You know, this, this reminds me of an article I just read about alchemists, or it, it referenced alchemists. And, you know, today we think of alchemists as mad scientists who were obviously misguided you know and they they were trying just chasing after turning base metals into gold but you know it turns out if when when you look back um they took meticulous lab notes they were doing the most scientific things of their day one of their downfalls may have been that they had a real fascination with quicksilver or mercury and that tends to fuck with your mind um but you know if they had you know they did have a concept of matter being made up of small discrete units and, and they had a lot of things right so there's a conception that science is is always right and it's a linear path from question to answer and i think uh you know i think a lot of artists actually have a, a you know have a methodical approach to their work too you know so i, I think that those it's maybe maybe those divisions aren't so so good like for instance the um songwriter for for weezer uh river <clears throat> I forget his name, Rivers River Cuomo. That's right. He keeps every he keeps notes about all of his songs in an Excel spreadsheet, including meter and rhyme and and you know number of beats per line and stuff like that. It's pretty fun. Sounds like he needs uh, more Python. Yeah, right. <laughs> what whatever he did for the first album, he should do that again. Exactly. And, and not what he did on the more recent albums. <laughs> yep. Actually, the uh, the second album is not bad too. I, I've kind of I've heard I've, good things about Pinkerton. I've just Pinkerton, never seen it's, it. It's pretty good. I, I've grown into it, but still, like yeah. the, the first album came out at a time when I was really into music, and so the blue is that the blue one? Yeah, the blue one. Yeah, I, I, I used to listen to that. Pinkerton's a little woollier. I, I still haven't gotten into it. But the blue one has like there's a lot of like really great well crafted Sweater songs song. on it. Sweater Buddy song. Holly. Yeah. Yeah, Buddy Holly is a little bit. You, you heard it on MTV too much, and then you got sick of it. At least I did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Maybe that's what happened to, to Kennedy. Yeah, I'm Russian, so I only listen to techno. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. Oh. Russian people only listen to techno? Yeah, that's it's our national um, music form, 
What about, what about uh, Tattoo? Did you listen to Tattoo? What was that from like 2002? It's a blast from the past. It was it like, was like these, the girls. The, the, the two, the two yeah. girls who like yeah. uh, acted like they were lesbians and they sang a, I think they sang a cover they of How, one song. How Soon Is Now. All the things she yeah, said. Yeah, they had one song. All yeah. the things she said. Anyway, that's like, that's all the Russian bands I know. And wasn't there like a metal band called Gorky Park? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I can tell you any of their songs, but I remember they existed too. And that's really the extent of my knowledge of Russian music. Yeah, well, we only listen to, to like um, Dutch techno. So. Oh, I did not know that. Which I can't do anymore because SoundCloud is apparently shutting down. I know that's where I keep all my music that I write. It's a real disappointment to me. Although I guess I, it's all my laptop too. I should put it somewhere else. Okay, uh, next myth. Knows more programming than any statistician, more statistics than any programmer. This is this is the only one that's 100% correct. Yeah. Than any statistician, though? There's got to be some <laughs> statistician who knows like Than any statistician at the company. There you go. Um, or yeah. in Wyoming, say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really have to do a bunch of different stuff on a daily basis. So it's not just about statistics and programming. It's, oh, no, the Venn diagrams. I mean, I don't like the Venn diagrams, but I can't say that I disagree with them because I find myself, you know, parsing JSON, um, trying to learn TensorFlow, doing a little bit of Spark and Scala. So I I find that I have to be, like, very flexible with what I know, with the, with the foundation of stats and programming. But... I think data science, like because it's still so new and still so vague, you really do have to learn a bunch of different stuff. I guess especially when you're doing consulting, um, yeah. you really have to shift, change hats and shift gears a lot. Like I think the yeah. one of the circles in Conway's diagram is um, the the diagram of death is um, uh, domain expertise, right? Yep. And that's one that I've I think is a it's it's. I think I spent probably seven hours of my life debating how much domain expertise people on my team had to have. And it, I, every time it just, I came back to the fact that like we're there in consulting, which was where I was doing this, you know, you're going to have to go from client to client. You can't just learn, you can't just learn oil and gas and then, and get really good. And then, you know, be, be a fish out of water in, in pharma. You have to be able to, work with whoever works there and get, you know, get, get your, your bearings. So I, I think that I know like Venn diagrams are funny cause people misuse them so much, but the domain circle ought to be smaller. I know that there's no sense of cardinality, but it ought to be smaller. I agree. I mean, if you look at like the data science jobs I've had, um, you know, before I did data science, I was working in quantitative finance at a hedge fund. Yeah. Then I worked at an online travel site. Then I worked at an online electronic shopping site. Then I worked at a site that did email and calendar analytics. So in terms of domain expertise, those are all totally different. You know, each one I went in the job and figured out what I needed to know about each of those fields. But it's not like only a travel expert could have done the job I did at Faircast. It's just it took someone who would come in and is willing to learn about travel data. Yeah, and then you can abstract it and you can be like, oh, I've seen this problem before in another field completely. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I find that like the more industries I worked in, and so before I did consulting, I worked in um, financial services and telecoms and education. Um, you start, you kind of start to see the same problems congeal across industries. So one problem that people always have is they want to count the number of customers they have, and they want to know why they leave before they <laughs> leave, right? Yeah. That's that's a problem that's endemic across all industries, um, and then they want to know what kind of customers they have. So that's yeah. that's been true, and I think so. I'd argue that, like, actually, from a data science perspective, the more industries you get exposed to, the better right. it is. Outside yeah. of uh, unless you've been to like twenty different industries, and you know, yeah, so crazy. What is it they say? Like, uh, take the number of industries divide by e. And then try each of those industries and then take the next best industry you find. <laughs> like an interview problem, right? Never heard that. Optimal stopping. I mean, it's usually framed in like choosing who to marry, but. Oh, I wish I'd known that. Yeah. <laughs> take the number of people in the world, divide by some number and try out some certain fraction and then take the next best. Oh, one. cool. Okay. I, I can't remember exactly. Try them out. <laughs> Myth. Data science is over. 
Oh, thank God. Is it really? I've been waiting for this moment. Relief, sweet, sweet release. Um, what, what can I? What should I do now? Um, <laughs> it's not over. I don't. That's yeah. this is the first one that's one hundred percent false. It's not over, but what I am starting to see is kind of like this, at least a little bit backlash against wholesale data collection. This frenzy of collecting absolutely everything and sure. getting smarter about what you collect. Maybe that doesn't mean that data science over. No, 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 it doesn't. I, I've never heard this. Is this is this part of the uh, the data science is 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 not as good as data engineering now? Um, sort of. So um, the thinking here is. As time goes on, there's less and less roles for people who can do, say, data science, but are not able to code or do something else uh, as well. Data science is sort of like a pure standalone discipline. I don't know if it's ever been a pure standalone discipline, though. I think oh, maybe I that's the myth. It, it, it was. I, I could see this being an argument that there are enough tools to help people who aren't able to program computers do this kind of analysis. I could see that being an argument, but I would say I would I would I would I would debate that. I would say that um, those tools may be helping get this kind of analysis into the more of the mainstream, but that the I feel like the demand for this work is is has not abated one bit. I think it's continuing to go up. All right, so people seem to think this one's a myth. Bullshit. Oh yeah. All right. Here's two that are at odds with each other. So at least one of them has to be a myth. So one is the more data, the better. And the second is more data, more problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would think, I mean, the, the more data, the better is uh, something as long as you, you take a caveat that um, you do the filtering that you need and projection that you need to get, you know, to, so you can throw out garbage early and often. You know, I mean, I think when it, when people talk about scouring social media for sentiment, you know, my first reaction is, oh, well, how, how are you going to filter out the 99% of the crap that is bullshit? With the caveat that the more actual quality signal that you can retain, the better. Yeah, and I don't know if that necessarily means more data. So I'm personally of the opinion of this, the second one being true, that the more data you have, the more of a headache it becomes. Um, so I'm a little bit of bi a biased about this because I just wrote a post about how you probably shouldn't do Hadoop when you can do stuff on your laptop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but you get you get a lot of complexity from these large distributed systems that you don't necessarily always need, and like all the data collection that you don't necessarily need. And the perfect example of this is like Facebook and Google and what have you, where their data, the amount of data that they collect on people, is now becoming a liability for them. Yeah, I so I agree with both actually, Joe. Alright. So more data the better and also more data more problems. So problems are good, is what you're saying. As long as you have a filter and you project out, you know, just what you need. And you know, if if as long as you are able to change gears if you find out you're missing something, I mean, you know, you're gonna you're going to have gaps, you're gonna have historical, you know, fields that are missing. Um, but yeah, I think the more of the right kind. It's sort of like, you know, not all food is good. All right, uh, we've, we've addressed this on the show before, but uh, it's a myth, so, or it might be a myth, so I'll bring it up again. Uh, you need a PhD to be a data scientist. <laughs> yeah, myth. Definitely true. <laughs> I, I think this is, yeah, this is on its face false. I mean, I, you could just point to, um, you could point to all the people who don't have PhDs and are collecting paychecks doing data science. So why do people put PhDs in, in data science job requirements sometimes? Because um, I think other people started putting them in job requirements, and there wasn't a lot of consensus as to what a data scientist actually is. I know I've, right. I've, a lot of places I've interviewed at, and you guys have covered this before in your interview episode, you go in and they don't really know what they want, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's especially true outside of Silicon Valley and New York and all those hubs. Um, so they, they look at like the top companies, which, you know, LinkedIn, Google, whatever, they all have PhDs. Oh, okay, I guess our data scientist needs a PhD. It's cargo cult, that's why. So they saw that, yeah, that there were PhDs that existed at successful companies, and they, they figured, well, if we, if we make an airplane in the shape of, you know, or garbage in the shape of an airplane, the airplane will come back and drop us food. 
Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty quickly had to nail down a job description for hiring people on my last team that really just dealt with concrete skills and experiences. And, you know, sure, a PhD is nice to have. Sure, that's fine. I, but, you know, on, on the other hand, it, if you've interviewed any number of PhDs in this field, you'll, you'll recall, I hope, or agree that not all PhDs are created equal. And some, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Some, it, it's not going to kill you. It's not definitely, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to make or break the deal in my experience. I mean, I've had some of the, some of the best folks I've had have had PhDs in astrophysics or math or whatever, but, um, it's not a, not a requirement. I mean, there's to do this work, you need to be thoughtful and creative and, you know, have a follow through and be able to figure stuff out and ask for help when you need to. And, you know, doing a PhD in a, in a good program can help you with those skills and it can help you with research, you know, approaches and habits and things like that. Um, and, you know, doing a whole project and following through, but it's not the only way to learn that stuff. So, right. So, I mean, so, sometimes a PhD means that you have uh, really solid skills in doing research and coming up with ideas and, and so on. And sometimes that means you've been there for 10 years and all the professors are really afraid of you and that you'll go postal if they kick you out. So they just give you one and like push you out the door. Uh, actually, some of the worst interviews I've had have been with PhD folks. So the one guy that hung up on me halfway through had a PhD in data mining, supposedly. Can you even get a PhD in data mining? Apparently, according to his piece of paper. From the Department of Data Mining? <laughs> well, you know, data is the new oil, so you got to mine for it, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't even think you need a bachelor's. I think that if you've been a working programmer and you have been working, you, you know, you can learn how to work with this stuff. It's like there are some basic concepts that you can that can take you very far. Do you understand how to group on a on a field? Do you understand how to order by? Do you understand how to filter? I mean, that that stuff is going to get you into a junior data science position just fine. You know? Yeah, I agree. I remember when I was um, just starting out in the field, I started out as um, a data analyst that basically knew nothing except Excel. Um, but my first boss took a huge chance on me. And I think he saw that I was able to just kind of dive into stuff. And so in a couple of months, I'd learned SQL and then moved on from there. Um, so when I interview now, I, I look for that kind of that like self-interest to learn, mm -hmm. um, which is which to me is as important as degrees. Yeah. Oh, back to the PhD question. So, so the willingness to learn and self-motivation. I once asked somebody who says claimed he had a PhD to explain to me what his thesis was about. And he said he forgot what it was about. <laughs> Which I just, all the bad memories. Yeah. It's like, oh, you must have really <laughs> blown out some neurons for getting your uh, degree. Um, what else, so, Joel? Uh, so I'm actually down to the last myth on my list. Wow. I know we've, we've gone, th we've gone through a lot. Okay. So here's my last data science myth. There's this data scientist who's like working late at night and like doing log analysis. Right. <laughs> and as she looks through the logs, she starts seeing these really weird messages. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know where you are. I can see you really weird. Sure. She doesn't know what to do. So, she calls up the help desk, uh, the, the ops people who like maintain all these servers where the logs are being written. And she says, there's all these really weird messages in the logs. I don't know how they're getting there. Um, and they said, we'll look into it. And she looks through the logs some more and there's more like, I'm going to get you. Your time is limited. Things like that. And Your time's she's, limited. She's, she's, trying to freak, she's trying to freak out, right? Sure. And I then the, the ops people call her back and they say, those logs are coming from inside the data center. That's a myth. <laughs> I forgot to light my campfire. Terrifying. So, um, Pretty scary, right? You think that happened? Was, yeah, I, <laughs> I've never heard that myth before. You know, if you go to Snopes and you type urban legend, it just gives you like, they have this page that's called top urban legends, but it's like the just 25 trending stories. So like the first, the number one top urban legend at Snopes right now is about Scaramucci. Like, oh. it's, not a, it's not an urban legend. Come on. Good Lord. That, what a, what a trip. 
So, uh, what myths did I leave off that are not on my list that we need to cover before we oh, run yeah, out of time? Are there any? Are did there we, any others? Oh, we talk about boot camps. Do I did not talk about boot camps. I don't, I don't know any myths about boot camps. We're trying to get fun. We're trying to get sponsored here. So. <laughs> Easy now. We we did a number on well, maybe that not not just about boot camps, but about so we talked about the sexiness, quote unquote, <sighs> of the role. But maybe we can talk about the fact that the field is is booming. So we talked about the fact that it doesn't exist anymore. But I I think there's a fine line between it not existing and saying oh everybody should go into data science because we're understaffed in data science. So maybe mm-hmm. the the real myth is there there's a shortage of data scientists. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a couple levels of this one. Um, there are, and I think it actually ties into this, the, 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 the previous myth of that you need an army of PhDs inside of your building doing work for you to get anything done. That is definitely driving the myth that there's a shortage. I don't know that there's a myth. I mean, that that's a, that's an incorrect myth, but, um, I think people are looking for the wrong profiles and I think, uh, you know, they're also, they're, they're spending so much time trying to, de- I mean, we could, yeah, we're going to do a thought leader piece episode next. Right. But there are so many articles and posts about people talking about the right way to do data science. And, you know, one of them, one of the, one of the myths I've seen in our debates, let's say in, in lots of clients and customers is you need to help us figure out where our data scientists should sit. I'm like, I don't care at a desk, but, um, what they mean is, should there be one central data science department that every other department comes to for questions, or should we make little pods of data scientists, scientists that live with each organization? That's something that people will never tire of debating. And I'm, you know, I, I think it's such a personal decision that there's no one answer. I don't, I don't know if you read the Stitch Fix blog, but they had a really interesting post last month about using the Metropolis-Hastings algorithm to determine <laughs> optimal seeding strategies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw that come by. I didn't read it. it, it, it it's pretty accessible if you've done a few grad courses in physics. Mm-hmm. Is, it like, uh, is, it, is it similar like spring, spring force attraction? Something like that, yeah, like spins of particles and yeah. simulated annealing. Um, well, that sounds very practical. You know, I mean... If you have an office and you have people, you got to decide where they sit, right? And why not use high energy physics to attack that problem? But, but I think that yeah, the other problem is that they might achieve critical mass and have a, have a meltdown, right? Um, like they have 80, 80 data scientists now. They have a lot. Obviously, if they're writing blog posts about using the Metropolis, well, there's the other. Okay, okay, there's some another. of them for that. <laughs> Gotta do can, something with some of them. You can write that time off. Um, there was a there was a myth that I saw at WrangleConf about um, another blog post from uh, from the multi-threaded blog, and it was engineers should not should never ever write ETL. That's a myth that that would be. It's another one that people just debated about over and over, and I, I never. I, As I in don't. Some somebody else should write the ETL, or engineer. It should be like a religious people? requirement. Like, oh, I'm an engineer, no ETL. Yeah, it was the data scientists should write their own transformations and oh. do their own polls. And, oh. But then it was they were cheating because somebody, somebody's like, well, how the fuck do you run your business? Don't you have like a core? <laughs> don't you have core data? Core and data science. They had, to, they had to admit that, yes, we do have core data, and that is you know, the operational stuff and HR and billing and stuff like that. So, so I personally hate the distinction between data scientists and engineers. If I were you know, dictator or, or whatever data scientists would be just kind of a kind of engineer. Yep. Same way that yeah. you have front end engineers, back end engineers, data science engineers, data engineers. Me too. So that makes that whole, uh, then there's no one left to write ETL, right? <laughs> and it validates that. Yes. Just, just marketing people. Marketing people should write ETL. <laughs> That's people do argue that though, not marketing per se, but business people should write their own analytics. And that was the promise of Tableau and, you know, countless other uh, products, right? Is Tableau mostly visualizations or do they do analytics as well? That's the thing. Um, People call visualizations analytics. So, yes, it's analytics and it's visual analytics. The last time I actually tried Tableau was about 10 years ago. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can do reports on it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it'll just have numbers. And I know because I was asked to create a couple years back a Tableau <laughs> dashboard um, that was a port from Excel, which was probably one of the most painful periods of my life. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, the promise was that anybody, anybody can do it. And, you know, it, in reality, people still will, you know, have a project and they need, they say, we need a Tableau developer. So it's, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't fulfilled that promise yet. Okay. What other myths? We're running out of time, but we can squeeze a few more in. I don't know. That's it. That's every myth about data scientists. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good coverage. Oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe the fact that you even need a data scientist. Myth, you need a data scientist. Fact, you need data scientists always. Um, So, yeah, I don't think every company is at a stage where they actually need a data scientist. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, that's a few steps beyond actually getting your data organized so that you have decent hygiene and that you can do that work. That's the, the same thing that, you know, that project where the, the person wait, waited 10 months for data for, for their model, right? It's like people are doing that constantly, waiting for data, waiting for data. Oh, we're waiting for that poll. Okay, I, I got one more. Okay. Myth, you should sponsor a data science podcast. This is not a myth. Not a myth. Everyone should do it. I agree. Vicky, we'll need your credit card number. Uh. Dude. We should have our guests sponsor us. This is actually pay for play. Well, no. Uh, well, yeah. We should also do the reverse. Uh, do, do you have anything? What, uh, what to, is this, college basketball? Um, could be. It feels like it. If I could find my uh, gym shorts. Do you, do you have anything uh, to sell? I right. do not. Um, a blog, a Twitter. But you can, yeah, you can check out my blog. It's just V-K-B-V-E-E-K-A-Y-B-E-E at GitHub. Or easier, you can just find all my stuff on Twitter at vboykis, V-B-O-Y-K-I-S. So you have a link in your bio? I don't. What's, a, what's the theme for your Twitter? Is it mostly data stuff or a mix? Um, it's it's a mix. I don't do politics at all. Um, I do like data stuff, Russian stuff, um, privacy, snark. What's like Russian stuff? Like, um, like Dutch techno like, music or yeah, like, like the, the paratrooper the punching the reporter. Yeah, the paratrooper punching the reporter. I really try to bring like the best of Russian culture to a mainstream American audience. I have really enjoyed seeing your you know, kids' books and and nursery rhymes and stuff like that. That's really cool stuff. And, and so, as, as a Russian, do you have any influence over the White House? No, unfortunately. So there's like first tier Russians and second tier Russians. I'm at like tier seven hundred. Right. Well, if in the future, like they call you and say, hey, you're a Russian, like, tell us what to do. Let me know. Give me give me a bullet list. Uh, I, Everyone I, should have a data scientist. Well, no, I'll, I'll I, I'm, I, I'm still willing to do the chief data scientist job. Uh, okay. If anyone's listening at, OS, at OSDP, which I believe is not staffed anymore. So probably no one's listening. But that start. means you have to have empathy, though. Not in this uh, White House. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can fake empathy. Look, that poem was not on that statue at first. Anyhow. I right, know. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on, Vicky. This was, yeah, this was so fun. You. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. And thanks for, thanks for indulging my uh, my bad myth jokes. Hopefully, we've uh, we fixed the data science industry now after this. I, after we wave to publish it first. Yeah, I, I have that hope after every episode, and then, like, and then it doesn't I could publish it, and everything's still broken. Like actually, things improve across the industry for maybe like four days. I, it, there's a general mood and productivity increase. I've I've seen it, but then it always goes back down. So maybe at, at four days out, I need to retweet the podcast announcement. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we just right. need to yeah need to re- release these more often. I think right. that's that's going to help. Well, I think we're tr- we're trying to right. Yep. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you. Thanks again. <laughs>